This oh, is this the, is the intro. This is the intro now. This is not. Is this the intro? Content. This is the intro. I'm not. I'm. I'm not sure. No, no, I'm joking. <laughs> this is probably not the intro. This is probably not the intro. <laughs> it could this be the intro. Nothingness. This is gonna. This is going in the trash. Hi everyone, welcome back to the Overinspected podcast. I'm your host Manu for today, and back with me again are the two excellent co-hosts, Carrie and Chai. Welcome back, guys. And, Hello. Uh, yeah, Sup? this is this is uh, what now episode four. So it's been crazy. We've already been making these for a month, but man, it only feels like a couple weeks, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it That's only feels very like a couple true. weeks. That is so like true. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, today yeah, I wanted to. Mysterious. Today I wanted to discuss with you fine, fine lads about, uh, so this is something I was thinking about uh, not too long ago. I was thinking about, you know, like, like there, because we, we've all been in like the cubing scene for, you know, a reasonably long time, right? At least, at least five years. And within these last five years, um, a lot of change in the cubing world. But one thing I was also curious to hear from you guys is like, who are like the cubers you kind of like look up to slash like you know who do you consider to be like if you had to name one person who do you think would be like the greatest of all time in your opinion oh my god yeah i know i know it's, it's like a big topic right why don't we why don't we start with like like you know like who are some just some like classic cubers cubers that like you remember like as you were like learning to cube you remember being like particularly good like you know like the this guy like really really inspired me to you know pick up cubing or i just thought that this this person was good and from there like maybe you can narrow it down to like this person was in my opinion the single greatest or whatever yeah i feel like the obvious answer for me is felix zemdeg okay i don't want to like maybe we should start with the most obvious answer dude we got we got to stretch it along so that the that the viewers listen right oh oh i thought we were gonna like start with obvious and then get more and more like Niche more or more unexpected. Well, I guess that also um, makes sense because see, then, I don't. Um, I don't mean to have like a weird, like, like ooh spooky thing, but maybe it's not so obvious. Ooh. Foreshadowing. <laughs> ooh, foreshadowing. For the, fir the first one you're gonna say is not that obvious. No, I mean, yeah, Carrie, continue. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah like, just, just well, I, mean. I mean, yeah, I started cubing in early 2013, so I think like Felix was far and away the best cuber for. I think everything from 3 over 3 to 7 by 7, but also like OH and, and all that stuff. So I think, you know, he was also like making tutorial videos at that time. So I think he was easy to look up to as to like, you know, these advanced techniques like X crosses, how to solve them. Um, but yeah, he was also just like very humble and very kind. And, you know, I guess like... like you know, some communities might have the best person be a very, like, arrogant or, like, self-absorbed person, but that wasn't the case with Felix, and I think that's, you know, you know, very lucky for us for, you know, in the early 2010s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember, like, because when my mom would, like, watch, like, speed coming videos, because I would just put them on the TV, she would also just be, like, because at that point, Felix was, like, a young kid, right? So she would be, like, this guy is, like, the face of speed cubing or whatever? So she was like very surprised, but then like, you know, as we watch like more and more videos, she's just like, wow, he's like actually like a really nice guy. Cause I guess like usually you assume that like, you know, people who are at the top, it's like lonely being at the top or where's the phrase? Like lonely is the head that wears the crown or something. Yeah. Uh, is it the, the tall poppy is the first one cut? Um, the tallest blade of- But that, that doesn't no, make that's a lot different. of sense. 
Uh, that might be different. I mean, that, I hope, that, no, I hope it, it makes like, sense. I don't think I've ever heard of it though. It makes a lot of sense. If any Cuber were to be beheaded, it'll probably be. <laughs> this okay, is no, we're not gonna be giving <laughs> okay. it. Okay, whoa, 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 whoa. Hold but what I'm saying there. is like. But that's what that's what the, the, the tall poppy syndrome talks about. Oh, <laughs> okay. I see. I Got see. it. Oh, is this just like a metaphor that like you shouldn't stand out because otherwise, like you're literally gonna stand out like a sore thumb. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's a, a it's a allegory about envy and about like you don't want to be envied. Okay, this is getting a little yeah, derailed yeah, yeah. already. Never mind. Anyway, yeah. So try. So <laughs> what, what do you think? Who, think like who's like a classic keeper in, in your mind? Um, I mean, there are a lot of classic keepers. Um, like as far as like the Cuban goat is concerned, mm, you know, it, it, I don't think it's as obvious as it used to be. In a sense that um, the modern age performance has gone in such a rapid pace, like people are improving so quickly. Um, but if you think about what it means to be great at something, um, objectively great or great in your time, for example, Felix is up there. I, if I if someone had asked me who's your goat, I'd probably say Felix. I mean, the dude has so many podiums and mm -hmm. all so many events. He dominated. Didn't he also dominate? He didn't dominate two by two, but he, I mean, he was very good at world by yeah. two by two. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, like by throw, all standards. To to throw another what is the what is the phrase to throw another thing into the hat? Okay, anyway, basically yeah, to basically. advocate to advocate yeah. for Felix. Uh, I think at Felix had also competed in every single event except for Feet, but now Feet, feet got removed, right? So now he's yeah. like, so like now, platinum or whatever the whatever the yeah. highest level is. Well, I think yeah. Well, actually, I don't know. He probably doesn't have big blind averages. Maybe he does. No, he oh, does. Yeah, or he doesn't he have does. mean. He doesn't have mean. Yeah, yeah. So he doesn't. Have, he doesn't have means. But in any case, like, but he... no one, no one counts mean. That's like really? but cruel. But Carrie, you're right. I think what makes Felix so amazing. And part of the reason that he's the greatest of all time is uh, his personality, um, the way how genuinely nice uh, he is to everyone <clears throat> that he talks to. Um, I've only heard positive things about all the people that have interacted with Felix, which is like crazy. Like someone who knows so many people, there's bound to be one person that's like, I don't like that guy. Dude, like, that guy. You would think that, that guy. Nah, nah, you I, think I don't vibe just with that be guy. one yeah. person who would just be too jealous, right? To just be like, yeah, like this guy, like he just spreads like false rumors or whatever. But exactly, Felix, there aren't even those guys, right? Like, like literally every single person is just like, yeah, like he's he's just a great guy. Yeah, if you watched the yeah. Netflix documentary, The Speedkeepers, right? I think that's what it's called. Oh, I so still on Netflix, seen that one. The Speedkeepers. I don't want to spoil anything because Carrie, you said you didn't watch it. But um, yet it got it got really it got a little bit emotional. Yeah, it, it, it got a little bit yeah. emotional even for me. And I was like, oh, I, this is not something that I expected to feel like I did not expect to feel and like the, the sappiness and the nostalgia, stuff like that. But yeah, it was the story was told very well. And then, you know, Felix's personality really showed because it was just him. You know, as like the main guy in that whole documentary, mm -hmm. uh, you know, along key figures, don't want to spoil it for anyone. But yeah, um, that's definitely what stood out to me the most. And just the fact that he's been dominating since the entire decade, like he pretty much the entire decade was his, you <laughs> know, in, in a sense. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. this would be a very boring podcast if we were all just yes men. So let me play yeah, a little bit of Devil's Advocate and throw in the next... I think this this one is actually somewhat obvious also, but I'd like to bring Max up for... Max Park 
up to the oh. what is it, up to the witness stand. Wait, wait, that sounds like uh, I'm cross-examining him. Well, in any case, I'd like to I would like to advocate for Max Park as being the greatest cuber to have ever lived. Uh, I think it is it is like as Chai mentioned. You know, one one thing that I think you we think a lot when we think about the goat is dominance, right? Like you know those who argue that Brady is the goat go, go back to saying that you know he's he's just insane, right? He shows up when he needs to. He has a he has a period of performance, and he he's just dominant throughout his entire period of performance. I think Max right now in the age that we live in is is that guy, like Max like yeah. is just insane, like like not to, not think... in like a derogatory sense, right? He's just way too he's so good at what he does, and every time you see him cube, it's like. It's just an experience, I, and now I make it sound like it's like some weird like cult type thing, but it's it's insane because you think you know how to solve the cube, right? We we've all been solving cubes for like at least five years, and then Max shows up and it's just like, oh, this guy knows. This guy really knows how to solve the cube. Yeah, no, yeah. definitely. I mean, I think with Max, since he's so good at the the big cubes, a lot of times, um, it's like. You can't always teach people how to like get better at big cubes. You just have to practice a lot. A lot of it's sort of, you know, an intuition of like, oh, here's how I should connect my centers together. And I feel like, you know, just the fact that Max is so far ahead of everyone on like seven by seven and six by six, it's it's like something you can't just learn more algorithms to catch up to him. He's just somehow more practiced at it, or maybe like that skill just fits into hit the grooves of his brain better. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, you know, yeah, but like, yeah, there's just you can't you can't replace it with algorithms. Yeah, you can't. It, it comes down to like a raw talent, right? It was interesting. Yeah. This it like vaguely reminds me of this one video I watched a while ago. This is this is a sports related thing, but it was a uh, it was on SB Nation. It was this video about the history of bobs. It was a, like a very very weird video. But at some point there was this story. I don't remember exactly who it was about, but it was about this bob who was in uh, track and field, and particularly long jump. Uh, you know, the, I think like in the 60s or whatever, the long jump competition was like insane. The records were being broken, I think like at a very, very small scale, right? And this guy, he was like going out for like the world record or whatever. And I think it was in the Olympics too. So maybe it was in the Olympics. Uh, it was like at the highest stage and he, he always knew that he could break the world record, but he had never gotten there. The world record had only broken, been broken by like inches, like very, very short margins. And then he goes out and then he does and then he does i think what the video claimed to be the greatest long jump of all time and he just blew the competition out by f- several feet so in an event where like you know people are like really really close together like max is like the guy who's like way further ahead than anyone else where it's just like everyone else is literally vying for second place because the only way max is ever going to like fl- uh flop is if his cube explodes in his hands yeah Mm-hmm. That is true. Well, well, the thing about Max Park is he, and just the thing about Max Park is that he doesn't do anything that's much different than I think most typical advanced three by three solvers or four by four solvers do. He just seems to do it better. Uh, he's extremely focused and super talented, and his TPS is easily the best TPS uh, and at the same time most controlled TPS of anyone that's cubing right now right like he can go at a speed that no one else can it seems like yeah. uh, also I don't know if you guys noticed he has like big hands yeah 
Yeah, he's pretty yeah. big. He's a pretty big guy. So. Yeah, he's a pretty big guy too. I don't know, but it just feels like like maybe big hands play a part in just like dexterity. I don't know. Do you guys think it matters? Just hand mm. size. I don't know because I, I would think that like if you have a smaller hand, you can just scale down everything you own, like buy a cube that's like ten percent smaller. But I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Probably not. Yeah. I didn't think about it. Like maybe if you buy like a fifty millimeter cube, and then would you perform better? No. Now that I think about it, probably not. <laughs> but it was just an interesting thought. But um, well, when you mentioned Max Park, that's true because like he's got right now. Like he is dominating in the moment, and then Felix was dominating the in the past, right? Uh, well, for me personally, the reason why I think this conversation is so interesting is, you know, I watch some debate shows uh, for sports and stuff like that. Uh, mm -hmm. Like a popular one is Undisputed and First Take. This is, you know, a lot of shiitake mushrooming. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, but what's always so interesting is. A lot of the times they're not talking about the news because they're talking about opinion and the opinion is talking about the future so it sounds preposterous but if you think about it when you go back 10 years ago when they're making these takes a lot of it makes sense now like i think uh, in the past like for example in the nba everyone said blake griffin blake griffin was the number one overall pick mm. and then only one dude named skip bayless said he would take stephen curry number one overall over Blake Griffin. Not a single soul said that. Mm -hmm. So it sounds, it sounded like a joke, right? So for me, when I think about the GOAT, I'm thinking about the future. Who's gonna be, who is going to be the GOAT, right? And if like cubing history is completed, all is said and done, I truly think it is gonna be, um, you know, a duel to the death between Max Park and Timon Kulisinski. Like Timon is, unbelievable the way yeah. that he solves the cube like for me when steve jobs says think different i think timon right like the guy is doing cfop but it's like pseudo cfop he's solving like half an f2 right? yeah he's he's just doing like whatever he wants to do and he's solving f2 all on like one motion yeah. it's like one long algorithm to him but it's not an alc he does it every single solve and it's just like part of his look ahead like he breaks up F2L pairs, mid-solve, like it's just, it's just crazy. And he does all the like the neat advanced tricks. He manipulates his OLLs to get better ZBLLs. Um, and he, the way that he does his CFOP solves are, are truly incredible. And the way that I solve, like I like to use RUD as my turnstile. He does a ton of RUD. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think in the next like five to six to seven years, it's just going to be a Duke, a battle between Max and Timon. Max and Timon. Like basically like two yeah. battling philosophies of like just going CFOP as fast as you can with Max and then Timon doing absolutely like the advanced, everything. Yeah, techniques. advanced analytics, you know, all that, all that jazz. But I, I, like, I don't know, maybe it's controversial, but I do think with enough time, Timon's young enough to where he could be considered the Cuban GOAT. I, I, I do think so. Cause like, yeah, he's gonna yeah. be the one. Like five that, years from now. Yeah, he's gonna yeah, push the method. He'll still be here. Exactly, he's gonna push the method further and he's gonna do things. And I think for me- Well, um, I remember when like pseudo slotting was first being talked about maybe like three years ago. Yeah, I Timon think- Timon was the one who's pushing for it. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah so like, I'm, I'm not gonna say, oh, we all thought he was crazy, but I definitely think that it seemed like a theoretical that, you know, like, oh, this is an interesting concept. Maybe if you're going for like FMC, this is useful, but like not to actually use it in speed solves. 
but now it seems like he's turned it mainstream. Um, it's not even mainstream. That's the thing. Like no one does what he does. Just everyone knows yeah. that he's doing it. You know? Yeah. I think like, like there's levels to pseudo slotting that like ordinary people can do. Like you know, on the last two pairs maybe, but like the amount that he can do and keep track of is probably because you know, he's been doing it for longer and he's also committed more of his time to like training for it. And I think that's like something that he puts in is like. I remember in like 2018, he was wearing a T-shirt that said like, "Eat, sleep, speed cube." Yeah, and I think that like yeah. that kind of devotion to like this is what my life craft is going to be. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sure he's going to do more with his life than just speed cube, but you know, you got to put that much time in if you want to fully flesh out like pseudo slotting or I any think, other yeah. advanced technique. He's definitely done an interview where I think he said that shirt was literal. I think that's what he did for a while, like 12 hours a day, just kidding. Yeah. Yeah, dude. I mean, I mean some, like, some kids with like their practice re regimens are like insane, right? Like I know, I know Max also has a crazy practice regimen, right? Like he will, he will do like just average of five comp style solves just, just all day sometimes because you know, that's just what he just really, really wants to do in the moment. Like that's how dedicated these guys are to, to speed cubing, <laughs> which I think is, you know, it's, it's that dedication is important. You know, if we, if we want to consider like. You know, like this guy is going to be the greatest of all time. You know, we're not going to say that like this person is is the greatest if they aren't dedicated to, this, to the craft, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, um, so, um, kind of going back on the goat conversation a little bit, right? Like, who is the goat? Um, like for me, I think if anyone was like kind of confused at what my final answer was, Max or Timon, I do think Timon, uh, like, is going to surpass Felix. And I think Timon is probably going to surpass Max, just on the the merit and the intellectual knowledge that he's bringing to it, and also just the fact that if you guys have watched him solve, and same thing with Max actually, like they both have this trait, they have a tendency to actually perform really well under pressure. Um, I know there have been a couple, like everyone has one-offs, but on average, like they do really well, uh, especially under pressure. So that's something else that they yeah. have going for them. Um. But the other conversation that could be had is a keeping go is well there are seventeen events now. There are seventeen yeah, WCA events. What yeah. is the cubing go the the overall uh, best cuber, right? Like is that the I conversation was, yeah. to be had? Yeah. I was actually gonna say that like talking about the cubing goat, you you can't have this conversation without mentioning Martin Eggdahl. Yeah, because he has like the best sum of ranks by like mag. Like I don't know if it's an order of magnitude, but it's like second place is very far behind him, and it feels like he just randomly has like the two by two average world record, and like square one, and like three by three blindfold. It's like all these different areas, and you know if you subscribe to the philosophy that like the more time you devote into one event, the better you'll be. Then like how are you good at like all 17 events right there has to be some sort of like innate skill innate talent into into it right yeah so yeah. the the guy that carrie is talking about listeners and people who are watching on youtube um martin van eggdahl um so he's a keeper from denmark and if you want to actually go to his profile the one i'm looking at right now um his profile if you type it in in the wca website 2013 egda 02 um if you just look at his results, I'm just gonna list just the just the diverse amount of results that he has, right? Like he has a 6.7 three by three average. He has a 29.04 four by four average. He has a sub 25 
FMC uh, FMC mean, right? That is like that's nuts. That's he has 6.94 average on clock. He has 2.41 on pyraminks. He has a sub three four blind result, a four blind mean. Like all these, like these are all different events. 43.24 megaminks average. This is just average. It's not even single, right? His singles are also really impressive. Like this is all all over the place. Like, how are you supposed to practice all these, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, as we, as I think Chai mentioned in like the previous, I think in, I think it was in the previous episode. You know, it took it took a while. Like, it took pandemic cubing to go from you know like like getting I think what was it the the sub fifty average to like the forty five averages, right? But then there's just Martin who can who does that, but then also in all other fields. This, now I realize this is making Chai look really dumb. Chai, that's well, not my intention. No, like that's no no no. Like literally when I'm streaming and I tell chat and I'm talking to chat like, man, I just wish I could learn this faster, but this is just the pace I'm at. Like like a lot of my chat will try to compete with me to be faster than me. And some of them are faster than me. And some of them actually don't get faster than me, which is like kind of validation a little bit. So like I know like in a way I'm not like the slowest learner. Right. But yeah, you know, some people are just better at improving and it's like they're better at practicing efficiently like it's just like it clicks to them like oh i'm gonna i'm gonna right. not make that mistake again whereas like me maybe not right yeah um, i mean i find myself doing a lot of mindless solves and i could do like an average of 100 on three or three and, and learn nothing from it yeah. and i think what separates the people who keep improving beyond the intermediate level into the world class level is that like I think when you practice, like they have to be mindful and like keep adding these very small tweaks that like shave off that 0.1 seconds. Right. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. It's like the noticing like, one, it's yeah. like a speed runner, right? Like, you know, you're playing this game, right? And you might be able to get to the end, but you, but you know, you might be losing, like, I, I know like, Mar like Mario 2 or Mario 1, right? Like, you know, you can, you can get to the end, but if you get to the end, even slightly too late, you're just going to miss the entire frame rule, right? You're going to be way off. Oh, yeah, I know about the frame rule stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's like saving like these like small, small, like, like literally like one sixtieth of a second so you can get so you can make the next frame rule. And otherwise, like if you don't if you don't make it, you're just going to be way, way off. And, you know, this is also true in like a lot of other a lot of other games, too, like especially like 3D games, right? Like if you think about Mario 64, there are like probably like three or four ways to get from point A to point B. But one of them is going to be faster than the others. And that's where you're going to pick up a lot of speed against a lot of the other competitors yeah yeah but i was trying well, to pull it up earlier i was i was sorry carrie you wanted to say something oh no I, I was just gonna mention that the um super mario bros story is like crazy because like there was something about how like some speed cuber, i mean that's speed, speed runner i think his name was cosmic did like six thousand mm -hmm. attempts to try to like land on that one frame <laughs> and then like you know if you do probabilities it's like this thing only happens one third of the time. That thing only happens one fifth of the time. You multiply it all together. Like you have to do 6,000 attempts to get through. That's crazy. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Mar I, Mario one is insane. There are a couple of videos I watched. I think, uh, I think summoning salt has a video and then also summoning salt business, business, business videos on Mario one are so good. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, as someone who doesn't speed run many games, I need to have those videos to educate me on like, what does it mean when you miss a frame rule? Mm -hmm. um, like, what does it mean when Bowser has like a 4A formation? I don't know what they call right. it. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I need an explanation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
It's, it's okay. I need one too. You're you're not alone there, Gary. <laughs> Don't worry. Not not all of us can be Stanley Chapel. You know, good at Mario. Well, he also. Yeah, he's, yeah, really, I was he's lit- really good at, Mar- at so Mario. So I was literally going to say, I th- I think first off, I don't know, but I think he recently got a world record on something related to Mario. He he, he, he runs a lot of like different it. Mario categories and across a lot of different games. And I think he's gotten at least, yeah. I think he might have gotten several actually. But the, yeah. the other thing I wanted to mention, I was trying to scroll through Kintranks and find, find Kintranks, which is like the, pretty much for most Cubers is considered the, the ranking system that people use to consider overall um, competitiveness. But Stanley Chapel is another person that, you know, like the only reason I can't say that Stanley is like, um, like in the GOAT conversation is purely probably because he hasn't been cubing that long. Which also makes it more well, insane. Good thing? Like, it also makes yeah. it more insane. Like he, yeah, he started around us. He started around the same time as us, but he's by well, far and away better at all the events together than oh, most yeah. other people. <laughs> you, you know, like he is like number one, if not number two, with Martin. Um, but you know, well, like that... like he hit that plateau. Oh. Like he's been um, solving. Um, I'm not sure if he still practices a lot. Like he said, he's doing the Mario stuff, but. Um, I think Stanley is in the conversation um, just because of how good he is at, at literally anything he does. Yeah, didn't, didn't yeah, Stanley I mean, recently break like some big barrier in four blind? Or am I misremembering? Yeah, 57. Sub uh, one. First sub one. Yeah, exactly, right? Like, so I think Stanley's yeah. still got it, dude. Well, yeah, I think, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. St- like, Manu, you were talking about the the high jumper who was like way ahead of the crowd. Oh, yeah, yeah, the long jumper. Yeah, um, yeah the long jumper. I think the the clearest example of that is Big Blind right now in speed cubing because like for most other events, okay, maybe not Max Park, but like most other events, a lot of people, top level people are like close enough to potentially get the world record if they get a lucky enough scramble or something. That's like in true. Square one, I wouldn't be surprised if like any list among like yeah. five or six people yeah. got the world record. But in, the, in Big Blind, it's going to be Stanley every time. And... You know, I, I think that's one reason why he's so high on the Kinch is because his like world records are so high that everyone else's Kinch scores for Big Blind, like the highest you can get is like seventy because you can't even get close no, to a hundred. That that's super true, Kerry, and we should like do a little like thought exercise with the listeners right now. So like if you think about the events, so just separate each of the seventeen events and you think about the world records and you think about how many people are able to attain it. Like the most dominated events, like right now, like five, six, seven, you could say four, not four, five, six, seven is like very much so dominated by Max, right? But then you would say like, is Stanley actually more dominating in four blind than Max is at those events? And definitely, even in five blind, like there is this, like Graham is second or third, pretty much in both of those events. Um, and it's like not even close, like at the moment, right? Not even all time. Like the yeah, amount of domination that he has is crazy. Well, I, I've heard some people say that Stanley Chapel is the only world class big blind solver because everyone knows like, what we thought place. not even close yeah, to second. What, place. what we thought was world class, like in 2017, before Stanley like broke onto the scene, was really like maybe people who hadn't tried hard enough or hadn't explored. The event enough and like stanley might be the first person who's actually said like okay i'm gonna try mm. to improve it and like put as much time to this event as people will put into three by three or four by four um because there's such a high bar- barrier to entry that maybe a lot of 
speed cubers will be like, oh, I learned four blind and you know, I checked that off. I'm not gonna practice it anymore. And I think, you know, Stanley was like, no, you can't just learn it. You have also have to try to optimize it. But that, but that speaks to Stanley's like mental prowess, right? Well, prowess yeah. is like not mental fortitude. That speaks to Stanley's mental fortitude to be able to push an event that has such a high barrier to entry, right? And that that goes towards their favor. And that's probably like how people who are world class, people who are fast, um, the way that people practice efficiently, like that's all related to at the end of the day how you're even successful. Like just yeah. to loop that all back around. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd argue that, like, you know, being dominant at the blind events is just its own beast as compared to the other events, right? Because, like, you, there are just, like, a lot of other things you need to deal with. It's not just, like, like, like for the other ones, we, you know, we're trying to complete the cube as fast as possible, right? But blind, one of the issues you need to face is, okay, yeah, yeah, you know, I could go as fast as, if I, as I want, right? I could just, you know, do do a couple of turns that I think the, the scrambler did and just put the cube down. But if you don't solve the cube, it's all for nothing, right? It doesn't matter if you have a three-second solve if you didn't solve if you didn't solve the cube. And mm -hmm. especially for the big blinds, because there's just so many different things that are going on, uh, there are like a lot of different like memorization patterns that you need to remember, right? And keeping that all together, but you need to be able to also form those quickly because one thing which I think a lot of non-cubers don't realize is um, in the blind events, your time count is counted both for executing, so like actually doing the moves, but also memorizing what actions you need to do in order to solve that state. So when we say one, like sub one, four blind, we mean combined. He both mem he first look at the cube at zero seconds, and then the cube was solved less than a minute later. That's what that means. Mm -hmm. So being able to also like it, you almost need to like it, well I don't know. It's, this is just a guess. It feels like you almost need to optimize two fields, right? You need to be yeah. able to memorize well and accurately, but you also want to memorize fast. So you gotta you gotta train that. And then you all on top of all of this, you also need to have you know all of your algs down pat, especially for something like big blind, where if you mess up one move, then it's just all over, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think um, I forgot what I was gonna say. Yeah, it's like two different skills entirely, and I, I noticed that like. If someone is really good at just normal 3x3 three three solving and they switch to 3-blind, they'll be very good at execution but not that good at memo. Mm -hmm. And it's like, mm -hmm. it, yeah. it's, that just shows that the skills don't transfer unless you build them both up independently. Yeah. Yeah. Memorization is just a completely different <laughs> Totally different. I Like, whenever I do... So, I, I was actually one of these people who was like, yeah, I learned 4-blind, I'm never gonna do it again after I got my first success. Because I think it took me like 10 attempts to get a success. And after that, I'm like, I'm never doing this again. Because one of the hardest things is you, you're just staring at this cube for minutes on end, and you're just like, okay, like VN. Okay, I guess it's van, I guess. Or is there something better that I can use? What makes most sense in this situation in terms of story? Like, what will I memorize, right? Um, so yeah, right. being able to, you, you gotta like balance all these things. Like, okay, like I know, like, like I, it's already a lot that it's a van, you know, I can make the story in this way, and then I'm just gonna memorize and just go. I don't know. I find it incredibly impressive. Yeah, I think, yeah. I think um, we shouldn't. We should like we'd be remiss if we didn't mention. There's one more event that is definitely dominated, and that's multi-blind. Like uh, Graham's against. Yeah, Graham has such a stranglehold on multi-blind as an event. Wait, now, did, did he what? Oh well, I mean, like I totally agree. Like Graham, right now. <laughs> Is so far ahead in the official results, but did you see that Roe Hessler? Right, That's, I know Roe yeah. Ro is yeah. trying it's, to dig in. 
Yeah, Roe is like trying that. to... I don't know if he's going to be able to do it officially at any point. I think he's even mentioned that he's not that concerned about doing it officially in, like, mm. the cubicle YouTube channel. Um, but he's definitely doing it on stream, like, 60 plus cube attempts, 80 cube attempts, right? Um, and then, of course, Stanley is attempting, like, 45 to 50 in comp. And then I think there's another guy from India? Shivam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shivam was the previous yeah. record holder. Yeah, very, yeah, very, very close to Graham, like... 50 to 55 is definitely a lot different than 60 so and like Graham's attempting 62 64 right did you see so, i think the last summer he did a i think he did a 200 right or wait, yeah that was, that was a lit stream oh that my was a, god was everyone stream, right? was having such a good time everyone was watching like this it was so nuts just everyone was just watching him attempt 200 how many, cubes how many hours did that go on for I don't know. I it don't took remember. a long time. It was, it was a long like a stream. Deal, right? Yeah, but everyone was watching. And then, like, it was, like, a whole event. Like, everyone, like, that was, like, at the peak of cubing Twitch, too. Like, yeah. everyone was streaming and then raiding Graham. Be like, and everyone was streaming and be like, oh, like, man, what's going on with Graham? You know, it's just, like, <laughs> everyone was following. Yeah, 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 yeah. Everyone was following. But yeah. That's an event where um, the streamer cannot respond to chat. No. Like, oh, yeah. Absolutely no. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. I'm, I'm sure, like, people were, were saying, like, oh, my God, every time you put down a solved cube, but it's, like, he's not going to say yeah, thank yeah, yeah. you. Yeah, there were counters, like, uh, like oh, oh, like, oh, this is definitely an uns like an unsolved cube or whatever. What really yeah. sucks is I can't remember what the result was. Well, I think because I was just astounded that he I thought it was, like, 180-something, 190-something yeah, out of 200. It was a very high count. I want to say that he had missed maybe like six to ten cubes but i i just I, don't remember so i, don't I think he missed i think he missed at least 10. okay but definitely he had more than he didn't miss more than 20. Like okay yeah, yeah, yeah something like that but yes yeah, so that puts him between 160 and 180 points so which is insane right now now of all the people that we mentioned i just wanted to ask real quick because it's something that just popped into my head we don't have to spend too much time on this but it is something that i'm curious about do you guys think and who do you guys think is the most and this doesn't matter about duration of cubing or anything who do you think is the most underrated cuber right oh, that's now too that hard. we want to who are we going to give our flowers to like like damn you you're flowers. cool i wish people recognized you more i was actually just scrolling through like the rankings on um wca and i found someone who's like ranked eighth for four by four average that i didn't even know Oh yeah, ranked Ari Randers. Pearson. Oh yeah, 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 oh yeah, that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, oh, you, you know him. I, I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. I so, should know him. So the reason why we know him is because you—it's actually on the Cubers Live channel. He had an amazing. Yeah, clip. He had an amazing, amazing. Um, I think it was a final, uh, four by four final. I think it, during Twisty Puzzle Cup with I was it oh. Max Shaw or was it Maddie? I don't remember. Uh, I think it was. Whatever. In any case, I'll put the clip it, up here. Was it um, not Chris? No, it was not. Wait, I don't think it was Chris. I think it was either Max. It might have been Maddie. Max. It might have been Max. Oh, Chris was versus Maddie. Yeah. Oh yeah, Chris was versus yeah. Maddie. That was also yeah. Epic. Any case. Yeah, that uh, was epic. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll put the clip here so oh, you guys okay. can see it. But um, yeah. So that that's how we know. That's where we know Ari from. Yeah, Ari. Ari is really really good at four by four. Yeah, yeah up mean, and coming keeper. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I was looking through his history, and yeah, it seems like 2021 is really where he started to shine. Mm -hmm. Um. But I think it's like fun to go down the rankings and see like the first person you don't recognize. And you know, if you 
leave the cubing scene for like a year and then try it, you'll see someone like way higher that you're like, I should know this person, but I've never heard of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which is, which is fun. Yeah, I think Pandemic also messed around with this a little bit because I think now there are a lot of Chinese cubers who are, for 3x3 at least, who are really high up. Like I didn't yeah, even Ray, know that Ray Hong Shu. Yeah, I didn't even know that he had the world that that he had the world record at one point. Well, I, I think I feel like he like his philosophy is like Max Park, where the F two L technique is like very um, standardized and like mm. pretty much the same techniques most people know, but he just can execute it so much faster. I see. Yeah, um, definitely. But like you know, he had an average faster than Max Park for a couple months, so you know. Everything we say good about Max can be applied to Ray Hong Shu as well. Yeah. So I, I, I would probably say I don't know Manu if you had anyone else in your mind if you thought if there's an underrated cuber particularly. Uh, man, underrated cuber is so hard because I feel like you have to, like you can't base it on results, right? Like because the results are, would would kind of speak for themselves, right? You need to like see them solving, right? And you need to like interact with them, figure out like what they're. Um, well, what their like philosophy is and stuff right so and since you know i've been like out of cubing for a long time i don't know if i could confidently say that like this person is like extremely underrated so i i would i think that there are probably a lot of people who are really really underrated right now because of because of all this pandemic stuff that's going on. yeah i think like, like there hasn't been there have been a lot of like underdogs who have been who have been like who have, who have just been waiting for their chance to like just to completely destroy the official results true yeah, yeah, and it's like, how could we know about their existence? Yeah, like, like that's kind of yeah, what it exactly. means to be underrated. Like without having, without like going out to look for them specifically, right? I think it's impossible to know. If I yeah. had to pick, oh, I'm just looking at like some names right now. If I had to pick the most underrated keyword, you know, I think this is why I worded my question the way I worded it. But I, I don't know. I just don't think. I think Timon is respected, and I think his recent string on like online competitions has shown that he's definitely like top dog. But I don't think people are truly thinking that he's better than Max, that he's better than Ruhang Xu, that he's you know that he's better than Maddie, like one hundred percent. And I I do genuinely think that, like, I genuinely think that he's just better. He just needs to comp. He needs to. Res he needs the competitions to show it, or and he needs yeah two, three, four years of results to prove it. But I think he has the capabilities. So I see. Yeah, I, I, I stuck with the same answer. Really, I think he's underrated. I just don't like. I don't see anyone else doing what he does. Really, I see. So and you're, that's that's no yeah yeah. So you so you're saying that you should buy Timon stock now before you need to, it goes to the yeah. Think, this this well, is like the stock market. This is financial <laughs> advice now, huh? Timon is sort of like, I, I'm not going to compare it to companies, but, <laughs> but I was just starting to think, because like, he's already rated very high, but I guess like Michael is saying that like he's going to go all the way to the top. So it's like a company that's already well-respected, but like hasn't peaked yet. Yeah, yeah that's, what I, like, that's what I think. Because yeah. he just hasn't had the time to dominate yeah. with his skill, right? But I think he will, and I just don't know... Well, I mean, I'm not sure if he asks like a hundred people, uh, Rui Hong or Timon, uh, Maddie or Timon, 
right? Max, and this is, by the way, no slight in any sense oh, to yeah, these yeah, guys, yeah, yeah. but I just yeah. think that, like, this is the guy I'm betting. Like, if I were a sports better, oh my god, not not saying I would. I'm just saying, right? Wait, yeah, I I'm just remembering. Like, I just had a flashback to like Monkey League mm -hmm. earlier in the pandemic, like maybe 2020, and there was a time when like Leo Borromeo was yeah beating Timo. Yeah. Like, I don't know if there was a time period where like he was seen as number one in the world but i don't know if leo is still going to competitions i just i haven't seen any like official results from him in a while i haven't heard from him in a while um he's definitely like he's always within that conversation right and and i think part of that early on is maybe maybe why um maybe why i would think that timon is still underrated because he did have like a period of struggle but he he had been dominating the online competitions especially near the end um, yeah, I, I do think early on he was probably honing his craft with all of his like pseudo slotting and uh, theory crafting right, and stuff right, like right. that for sure. ZBLLs. And the, when you like develop sort of a new skill, you actually get slower when you first implement it. Oh yeah. And then like you have to kind of be using it for maybe a year plus before you actually start to reap the rewards. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Which is what definitely. he's doing now. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so, I mean, we've been talking about all these successful cubers, right? I mean, we kind of touched on it a little bit, but to kind of maybe uh, go a little bit on a tangent, not really a tangent, but... No just sidebar about, today? We're only... We're only no no sidebar. No si well, I mean, now, now there's a sidebar, right? So, know. sidebar, right? <laughs> I mean, like, how how do you define success and... And what does it mean to be successful just in general? And what are like the habits, the practices? I mean, we touched on it a little bit, but it doesn't just have to be cubing, right? Like these guys are going to be successful probably regardless of what they do, but like why, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I think the closest parallel we can make is uh, with other sports probably. Well, I say other sports. Other. Yeah, I guess sports because cubing is not exactly a sport. But I think in sports, like if you if you have to like think about like who are who are like the goats of well for me the easiest ones are to think of like tennis right like the, right now there there are only like a handful of people who are like the who are the goats of tennis and even more so like well I guess like well when Serena was still like extremely active like she she was like probably undisputably the goat the goat of tennis right so like what ended up I think the what what made what made her like so good or what what made her what, what what made her like seem like the goat right and i think this is true for athletes in general is just an extended an extended period of just uh, of just utter domination and which comes from just like it comes from like a lot of things well one is like probably like a lot of skill and in, inherent talent right but then i think there's also like an insane amount of drive that needs that, that needs to be there because if you have like any sort of talent, it seems like it's probably like some like diamond in the rough type thing, right? Like, you know, the talent is there, but it needs to still be honed before it can be turned into something that like truly sparkles. And I think what's true for all of these people is that they just have like an insane drive. They have like a, it's like a willingness to like point out their own mistakes, not just like be like, okay, like I'm satisfied with where I am, but it's just like, okay, like, no, like this is a mistake. This needs to improve. I need to get better at this. I think that to me is like one of the key things that makes like people who are like really, really successful stand out among the rest. Yeah, I mean, isn't there, right, yeah. isn't there like that ratio or like that quote, um, success is 
99% perspiration, 1% inspiration. Yeah, or like something related to like nine, like ninety nine percent like work ethic, one percent talent, talent, something like yeah. that. Yeah, like something of that nature. Like I talent think it's can... uh, associated with Tesla. I think Tesla. Wait, was it Tesla? Maybe. Nikola. It might have been Edison. Maybe. Okay, never mind. Now I don't know. By the way, Ooh, I mean, if you guys are curious, Elon Musk apparently is hiring people without college degrees. So, go get your job, oh, guys. I, <laughs> I remember I, I read about. About that. Like in 2016, I was like, maybe I should work for Elon Musk. I, I've changed my opinion on that now. Mm. Yeah, yeah, fair but enough. even even people like Elon, I think like there's they, they they just have like a drive, right, to see certain things happen, and then it's just like you know, like what what can I do? Like even though it's like a mountain that needs to be climbed, it's like what can I do now, right? Like like what what needs to be done so I can get to the next step? So then I can get to the next step, to the next step, to the next step, to the n minus one step, so I can finally get to the top. Well, like, I think we can, like, tie into maybe the personal lives a little bit, right? So, like, I mean, you graduated, Manu, right? <clears throat> so, like, how, I would say that's very successful. You graduated from a very, I mean, an esteemed school. I mean, you're wearing this shirt, right? Oh, and oh it, that's true. And you, you have a very, like, you know, high quality job, right? And you're reaping the benefits of that. But, like, I would say that in some sense that's success. But what, like, I don't know how much you want to go into it, but, like, what, how how did you drive yourself to do that what motivated you right how did you become successful right hmm. uh i don't know I, I don't know if i'm the best person to answer but like well maybe so, you to, don't think you're successful but i'm yeah, telling yeah, yeah. you just based off of objective like facts that's what i'm presenting to you sure that's what it is that's what it is right so like how instead of answering like how you got to be successful maybe ask like how did you get to where you are Sure, sure. Maybe that's a better way to do that. I think I think what's so I, so I'll say that like my job is in, is in computer science and I graduated with degrees in computer science and physics. So when I was growing up, I learned a lot of just computer science stuff. Like I was just interested in just like the way that things worked. So I think that's like more, that's like a little bit of like maybe maybe like you can call it like the inspiration bit. But then I think one thing that I did a lot is I would like break things. I, my my parents particularly told me that I would break a lot of things when I was younger just because I could just see like inside of them. So I don't know, I'm, I feel like that has something to do with it. Like even nowadays, right? When I go and write a piece of code, I very rarely know what to do immediately. Like most of the time I'll write some code knowing that it's going to break. And then, but once it breaks, I can figure out, okay, like it broke in this way. So this is like something I need to fix. And so like once I see, okay, like now I've fixed this problem, what's the next problem I need to fix? What's the next problem I need to fix until like I get something that at least works. It might not be the most beautiful code ever, but at least it works. So I don't know. That's kind of what I think. That's sort of like what I do with at least computer science. I think, Carrie, you might have like some other thoughts as well. Oh, yeah. I was going to say from what you said, it sounds very incremental, which is mm -hmm. I think you hear that a lot from like motivational posters. It's like um, Rome wasn't built in a day. Right. Or, or like, yeah. you know, I don't know. It's like if you want to build a trillion dollar company, like it's not going to happen overnight. So it's like each day you just make sure you're at the N plus one level. Football's a um, game of inches. Yeah. You know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like yeah that, like, that, that's know. another. Kind phrase. of. Yeah. It's different. <laughs> Anywho. Yeah. Um, I, don't know. I think, like, I guess if we, like, since we're both sort of uh, in computer science, like, I guess I have a different perspective because. 
I got tired of like I, I was studying artificial intelligence in college, but I think I had a sort of like falling out of love of mm. the discipline. So I just like I used to make videos and like do experiments with AI, and then I sort of just realized like I don't know. Dude, not gonna lie, those videos actually got me into it. Got me into AI. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's crazy because like they don't feel like that long ago, but. I guess in the world of AI, which changes like every three years, like or I mean every year things are changing, but like a paper from three years ago is considered yeah. Like, I'm pretty archaic. sure I'm pretty sure your I think you made a GAN at one point for art or something, or maybe it yeah, was music. Not... But um, I remember one of those was like my first introduction to I I particularly remember the GAN. I'm like wow, like like this kind of thing exists. That's cool. And like this guy I know like has done stuff with it. That's kind of incredible. Well, I think that the cool thing about that video is like. It was pretty early on in the history of GANs because they were invented in like 2014 or 15, oh. and then it made those videos like 2017. But now, like, mm -hmm. Nvidia is using GANs to like create photorealistic faces and videos, and um, like you can just go to a website and like create a new human face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it feels like you watch my video and it's like, why is that GAN looking so bad and, <laughs> and like crude? Well, it's because the, the technology actually changed. Mm -hmm. But I guess the reason I, I mention all of that is because I think part of success is also realizing when you're sort of like wasting your time and you need to like shift gears because mm -hmm. you could be like spending too much time on something that doesn't lead to what you would consider success. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's like, a, yeah. It, to speak in, in like gradient descent, it's like local minimum, right? Like you, you, need to, yeah. you need to be able to jostle so you can find the... Find more optimal places to find greener pastures, <laughs> if you will. Yeah, that gradient descent. That's the. That's a really good analogy. Sorry, yeah. This, I, this is many... like, I randomly threw machine learning into this entire thing about some philosophical yeah, thing I think success. Like the overlap of people listening to this podcast who are into speed cubing and <laughs> know what gradient descent is. I don't know how many people are gonna be there. It's pretty low, yeah. Don't worry. Well, I'll put up. I'll put up like a little thing. That's like okay. Like this is this is like very briefly what gradient descent is. I mean, I yeah. definitely think that, um, you know, Carrie mentioned this, but uh, I mean, we echo the same things, Manu, the way that, you know, how you get to where you are is you take it step by step. And I found it interesting how you highlighted Greetings. that when you would, yes. <laughs> Sorry. And, no, no. and then <laughs> um, when you would try to get a job done right you just go to point a to point b to point c to point d not jumping all the way from point a to point c just you you have to you have to do due process right mm -hmm. just you know take everything a step at a time and just really having patience um you know i found that's really key um i wouldn't definitely call myself like in maybe um, a normal sense successful uh, i'd say, uh, you're, I'd say I, you're relatively successful but, dude but what I will say is um, something that I see from every single successful person that I know is how much they have just a, a work ethic, a motivation. Yeah. And I don't know where that comes from, right? And then that it gets a little bit deeper in a sense that I think there are some people that are self-motivating. Like it's pretty normal, right? Um, not, it's not normal, but, um, like of the successful people, they have a self-motivation, a self-drive to just do it. They'll just be like, let's just do it today. Right. And, you know, maybe a common example of the opposite is just a procrastination, a past mm -hmm. due date, whatever. Like that's the opposite of self-motivation. 
and never being on time and stuff like that. But then, and then you think about it's me. If yeah, if you're that person, and then but you're still successful in other ways, like how how did you drive yourself? And then for me, I think the answer is related to maybe it's not like you don't have an option, but like just kind of going through like the adversities and stuff like that. And just understanding that, I mean, you kind of have to get to the other side, right? Mm, mm. So you have to put in the work. Like if, if I screw this one up, I'm screwed, right? Mm, 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 um, so that's just something I think about. Um, and then just the, I think for me, what I consider the most successful part about myself is I think I've become more in tune with like my personal well-being. Um, and that matters a lot. And I think in being successful, really being in tune with yourself yeah. um, and recognizing what you can do and what you can't do. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, it, it could lead to yeah. like a lot of like weird things, especially like as you go through the years of life and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I, I think adversity plays a, a huge part in just being successful in general. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely, right? And I think I, like, 100 billion percent agree with, like, work work ethic, right? Like, kind of bringing it a little bit back to, to speed queuing. I don't think any of the guys we mentioned would have been where they are without, without the 99% perspiration. Like, just the insane drive to get what they want done. And, you know, that that's their motivation, right? It's like, it's like they wake up in the morning... Like they, while they're doing other things, they're like, okay, I need to finish this fast so I can work on speed cubing or, you know, on something else. Right. Like that, that motivation I think is, is really, really key in order to, in order to just find yourself at, at a place where it's just like, you know, like, like, you know, I'm, I'm at the top of the pile now. And I think like, it's not even necessarily that like, oh, like if I don't have the talent, then like, what's the point? I think like you can even, even without, even if you're lacking talent, there are like, you can like just, you can make it up with certain, certain ways. Like. I think this was something interesting that was uh so a while ago there was this, all this controversy about uh about uh, speed running minecraft speed running controversy and it's like people would people cheated in minecraft by changing like the percent drops and stuff right but the they cheat not because they're good they they cheat not because they're bad but because they they want they don't want to put in the time so like the like the i guess what i'm trying to say is that, like we're trying to fight that right like you know, like you can put in, you can put in a lot of time, even if you aren't very good and you can still get up to that point where, you know, you're, you're just sitting at the top. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, success is about like how, how much you're willing to sacrifice. And I think, um, well, okay. I guess this is kind of like rolling back a little bit, but, um, like Michael, you were talking about how a lot of success is like realizing that, oh, if I don't do xyz i'm screwed tomorrow or a year from now or something yeah i think what's so surprising about the people who are really successful in speed cubing is that there really isn't that motivation because it's like there's not really many people who are financially using speed cubing as like a crutch yeah so that's these very are all true, like yeah. self-motivated people like only wanting to be good at speed cubing for its own sake and I, I think that's like a beautiful thing about the hobby. It's like you know that if you find other speed cubers, they're only doing because like they just think it's fun or it's interesting. It's you're super not gonna pure. find yeah. You're, you're not gonna find like scammers trying to make a quick buck. Well, maybe you will, but there aren't that many people who are only in it like you know for a quick buck for the fiscal gains. Like they didn't go or to like Rubik's cloud. cube. 
Like they didn't do like they didn't attend a Rubik's Cube school to go to the best quality like Rubik's Cube education, you know, stuff like that. Like the I know exactly what you're talking about, right? Like when Timon wears that shirt, eat sleep cube. He says he keeps for 12 hours a day, and it's quite literal. You tell anyone to keep for 12 hours a day, and they're going to tell you, I tried and I can't. Yeah. <laughs> That's all they're going to say. <laughs> I mean, like, where yeah. does that come from, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's the internal motivation, right? It's just like, there's this goal that, like, I want to get to at all costs. And it's just like, if I don't put in the time now, I'm not going to reach that goal. So, I have no choice. Got to put in the hours. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, like, it is interesting that it's just, like, there aren't really shortcuts. Like, whether that's Minecraft speedrunning or speed cubing or, I don't know, what else, like, getting a job. It's like, you gotta, like, if you try to, like, take a shortcut, it always has some pitfall somewhere. Yeah. It's like lying. Or, or just too it's, good. It's to like teacher. lying. Yeah. Like, it's better than to just always tell the truth rather than just, like, lie and then, like, get eaten up for it later yeah it always comes back somehow yeah 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 but like not even for something as egregious as lying it could be something as simple as like when you're lear learning f2l and like you learned one like oh, you want to yeah. learn f2l as quickly as possible so you learned very bad like beginner like techniques and then you want like you just want to get fast off of that mm -hmm. well if you actually want to be like timon you have to like you can't skimp on these F2L cases. Yeah, yeah. I have a personal example to that. So like when you're learning OLL, when I learned OLL in the beginning, <laughs> instead of learning the optimal ALG for ergonomics, so like just staying with RU or just staying with LU, I would learn the lefty version. Of oh, I still do that. Yeah, yeah, I still do that. But everyone knows that usually that unless you're doing some sort of thing where you're intentionally skipping some sort of like, you're solving some, some pieces to do that, because they do solve different pieces technically, yeah. uh, a lot of those cases. You want to stay on one hand as your dominant hand and one hand is your offhand for ergonomics and so you're smoother. So people who juggle between RUL a lot tend to lock up in their official solves a lot. And I learned that the hard way. So, I mean, most of my algs are switched now, but there's a couple that I, I, I started keeping five years ago and I still have the same problem, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think a lot of my cubing is also kind of like that. It's just like, yeah, you know, like, I could learn all of OL, or I could just orient edges instead. And, you know, now I don't know, I basically know zero OLs, right? So I'm sure that there, there are like also like lots of people who try and skip steps. I remember when we used to teach a, we used to teach like a student run course on how to, on how to solve the Rubik's Cube, right? And when it was getting closer to the final, People would always ask, like, yeah, what, what, is, what is the fastest way? I, I just need to do it, like, you know, I, I only have, like, two weeks. I, I just need to do it, right? But we would always just tell them, like, look, you just you just got to practice, right? You don't, have, you don't need to practice that much. You need to find out maybe an hour out of your day. And if you do that every day, you should be good. You'll easily pass the course. But, uh, yeah, people always try and look for the shortcuts. It's just, like, get, get good quick. But, uh, unfortunately, there is no get good quick for most things. It's just... Just gotta put in the time, put in the effort, and uh, see where that leads you. Yeah, yeah, I agree. We're synced again, Michael. <laughs> we are. So, we're on the same page. Same same wavelength. The no. same ah, wavelength. damn it! Ah, almost. Oh, we'll get. We'll get him next time. 
Oh next my god. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll do Wait, it you, next time and we'll sync up. We'll see. Yeah, we'll next see. time. All right, guys. I think it's about time to wrap up the podcast. But before we do, uh, you know, let's bring it back to the Cuban goat. Rapid fire, quick. Who is the Cuban goat? Oh. Carrie. Uh, I still have to go with Felix just because of history. Okay, Felix. Okay, try. Timon, because of the future. Okay, I'm oh, gonna. Oh, I'm the past. Okay, okay. Well, I'll, I'll I'll take the the one in the middle. I'll take Max because Max. All is right. So Max awesome. is the present. He's the the present, then the the past, the present, and the future. How about that? That was actually pretty, pretty poetic. Uh, surprising, I like very poetic. Surprisingly, is that the uh, is that the title for? Is that the Past, future, and present? Not bad. No, no, uh, maybe not. Maybe past, not. There's present, not enough future, context. There's not enough. Well, okay, well, I mean, yeah, we'll see. Dude, come on, come on, dude. I was going to end the podcast right there. I was going to say this is the most poetic way to end the over-inspected podcast. Thank you all for listening. But now it has all turned into... Yeah, but your the co- title of the video and your co-host, your co-host is Michael Chai. What did you expect? I guess that's true. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. Hey, on, when I've been the co-host, the the podcasts are just as insane. So <laughs> anyway, right, yeah, I think yeah. that uh, that does it for us. I thank you all for listening. Hope you uh, hope you enjoyed this one. Yeah, this one got kind of philosophical, but uh, yeah, I think we got some pretty good conversation. And yeah, hope you all will uh, join us next week where we will talk about I have no clue. So uh, yeah, hope. So see you guys then. Tata, thanks. Bye, Bye, audience. Thank you for watching. Peace out, home slices. Home slices. Home, home slices. slices. <laughs> All right, I guess. Let's go with that. Okay. I like it. I like it. <laughs> Cue the outro. <laughs> <laughs>